Hands of My Podcast is a proud member of DarkCast Network, presenting the brightest of indie podcasts. Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the people of color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. The Crazy Indians Brotherhood has chapters across Canada, as well as California and Oklahoma. The purpose is to help people try to leave a lifestyle of crime, violence, and addiction by providing resources such as helping them get off the street, find jobs, and seek treatment. They also organize toy drives and food hampers for those in need. I was thrilled to speak with Garrett Dan, captain of the Crazy Indians Brotherhood in British Columbia, an incredible indigenous organization based in Canada. The amazing group is devoted to supporting and empowering Aboriginal peoples by raising awareness about their issues from within their communities. Garrett explains the organization is devoted to helping those in need by providing essential services, resources, and education. The organization works to uplift Indigenous communities. And it's nice to meet you. I'm so glad we finally were able to connect. I think I've been <laughs> tracking you down for the past year. When Garrett first became part of the Crazy Indians Brotherhood, he had a small team with limited resources. However, over time, they have grown into an organization that provides educational opportunities, cultural events, and advocacy initiatives for their members. They have also established relationships with other organizations across Canada, which has allowed them to expand their reach even further through different territories. Garrett has firsthand on how poverty, drugs, and violence has affected his community, and he is not afraid to speak about it. One of the topics we discussed was on the missing and murdered Indigenous men and boys. Was particularly motivating for Garrett because it highlighted how much work still needs to be done when it comes to addressing issues facing Indigenous peoples today, such as racism, poverty, violence, etc. It showed him just how important it is for us all, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, to come together if we want true reconciliation between our communities. I will dedicate to speaking more on the MMIMB in part two. When asked what advice he would give others looking at ways of helping communities combat poverty, drugs, and violence, Garrett Dan states, The answer lies within each individual person. We must all take responsibility for our actions if we want real change. It is this kind of determination that makes him an inspiring leader amongst his peers. Someone who isn't afraid to stand up for what he believes in order to make differences where it counts most, at home. The beginning of the Crazy Indian Brotherhood, from what I was told, uh, it started when um, uh, two two uh, people from uh, different reserves they they said they were going to start bringing the pipeline through, and uh, the two communities they didn't want it to go through their reserves. 
So um, what happened was is two individuals from different communities uh, went to the, I guess, the parliament building. And they, they went to go uh, stand up for the people and say they didn't want the pipeline going through their villages. So these two individuals, they hopped the fence, um, even though there were security guards there with, uh, with guns and everything, they were pointing guns at them. And uh, they, they marched right up to the building to talk to the, to the head cheese up there. And they said, they were telling them, like, hey, you know, we don't want this pipeline going through our villages. And, you know, you know what the pipeline is going to do to our people and if it breaks and all this kind of stuff. And then um, after that, um, in the newspaper, uh, they wrote an article about what happened. And this article, in uh, in bold letters, uh, said these crazy Indians. So after they read that in the paper, they kind of banded together and they said, well, you know, how about we flip the slogan and we'll put it on as a, a badge of honor. And they said, hey, let's, you know, let's switch it into something positive. So they, they changed it to the Crazy Indians Brotherhood, which makes us the modern day warriors for the people that um, that can't speak up for themselves. They, they're, they're scared to speak up. So we're the voice. We're here for the people. We do what we can for the people. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. I was trying to think like there had to be a reason. It's almost like a take back in a sense. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I love that story. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you um, became part of the the movement, the Crazy Indian Indians Brotherhood? Well, it took me it took me a couple of years to think about it, you know, because you know. Uh, I was doing work with my uh, my one of my relatives. Um, she is uh, the founder of the group out in Vancouver um, called Butterflies and Spirit. For many years, Lorelei Williams has been committed to the healing of her community through dance. In 2012, she founded Butterflies and Spirit, a dance group that consists of family members of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls (MMIWG). With their mission to raise awareness about violence against Aboriginal women and girls, Butterflies and Spirit have performed to numerous gatherings and events throughout Canada, the United States, and beyond. They're more than just a performance group. They have the opportunity for healing through their dances. They tell stories of resilience and strength while honoring those that have lost or have been taken from them. They bring light to issues that are often left undiscussed or overlooked by society. Their performances carry with them messages of hope as well as reminders not to forget those who have suffered due to violence against Indigenous women and girls. The work done by Butterflies and Spirit is essential for bringing attention to MMIWG cases, which are too often ignored or forgotten. By using art as a form of expression, both on stage and off, they show how powerful storytelling can be when used as a tool for change. This type of activism helps draw attention to these important issues while providing much-needed support for families affected by this tragedy. Through their performances, Butterflies and Spirit continues its mission to create awareness about 
violence against Aboriginal women and girls while providing a platform for healing within their communities. It is through this kind of grassroots activism that real progress can be made towards ending this epidemic once and for all. So I was doing all the drumming and singing for them, doing the greeting, because I could speak the language and whatnot. And um, I greet them, greet them and talk to them about what we're doing. And then I open, open up with a song because, you know, when we do ceremonies like that, we uh, honor the spirit. And by honoring the spirit, we sing a song because I know that in our culture, um, the drum is the heartbeat to the people and it's the heartbeat to the spirit world. So we greet the people and we greet the spirit by singing that welcome song. So that, that was uh, my role with uh, Butterflies of Spirit. So my brother, um, the guy that brought the Crazy Indian Brotherhood to BC, uh, Big Lou, uh, he he found it. He he liked what I did for the for the for the people, for the women, bringing, letting them, showing them that the, you know there's a there is a male that wants to stand up and you know bring bring awareness to the situation and protecting the matriarchs because you know we have to look after them. We have to look after the the matriarchs because they hold the key to the future. You know they hold the key to. You know, like spreading that seed, having having the babies, the key to the future. Because without them, you know, how are how are we supposed to continue on? So he he picked me out, and he's he took him took him a couple of years to get me to finally say yes. Um, you know, I did a lot of thinking because you know I like I thought about it, and I was like, okay, well yeah, these guys wear you know they wear vests and stuff, and you know. I was worried about a few things and and then he started talking to me about his goals on what he wants to do. And we our the, the group that we're in right now is we're we're all sober. We're on the red road. And, you know, there's teachings behind all that kind of stuff as well because, you know, in order for us to to help the community, to help anybody, you know, we have to make sure that we're all clear minded. Because if we if we're not clear-minded, you know, we can't be showing them the proper ways because we're showing them how to do things wounded, and that's not how you're supposed to teach somebody. So if I'm going to teach somebody um, how to find their roots, I got to make sure I got my roots because I got to plant my roots in order to look at the next person and say, help them um, plant their roots so they can grow stronger. How am I supposed to teach somebody to grow stronger if I'm not stronger? After hearing what he wanted, by bringing the culture to the people, helping the people, being the voice, and um, you know, doing what we do to help everybody, feeding the homeless, helping single parents, uh, helping the youth um, by showing them that there's different ways of doing things. You don't have to go down that negative path. You know, it's not all about, you know, being violent or selling drugs because, you know, that's that stuff's not going to get you anywhere. It'll get you places fast, but it's like, what's the point of moving fast in this world? You know, we, we if we take things in a slow, proper manner, you know, it gives you more incentive and 
being proud of where you are. You know, you earned that. Like if you're going to buy a vehicle, you know, you work, you work, you work, work until you can get that vehicle. You're more proud of it because, you know, you put in the work. And, you know, we do the same thing when it comes to helping people. We make sure that we're healed at home first before we do the work outside because, you know, like I said, a couple, like a little, a couple seconds ago, you know, in order to help somebody, you got to make sure that you're okay as well. And so I made the decision to, it's like, well, yeah, I, I will finally accept it. And I am actually really glad I did because, you know, I am where I am today and helping the people has really inspired me to to keep going with this this movement because it's important for us to bring that culture back to our people because our elders fought so hard for it to be here today. Being an inter intergenerational survivor of the residential school, I've seen what the government tried taking away from our people, what the church tried taking away from our people. You know, it's crazy how spirit works and, and um, you know, the world got shook when the 215 came. Yeah. And, you know, that, that helped, us, helped us with a lot of things, you know, like we opened up everybody's eyes. The 215. On May 27th, 2021, the Loops announced the discovery of over 215 unmarked graves of indigenous children at the site of a former Kamloops Indian residential school. The news comes two years after their initial reports that there may be potential unmarked graves at this site. The Kamloops Indian Residential School operated from 1890 to 1969 and was one of the 130 residential schools across Canada established by the federal government in an effort to assimilate Indigenous peoples into Canadian society. This system caused widespread trauma and abuse for generations of Indigenous people many who were forcibly removed from their families and communities in order to attend these schools. Since its closure, stories have emerged about some students who never returned home or whose whereabouts were unknown until now. These newly discovered graves are believed to contain remains of children as young as three years old, with many more likely still unclaimed beneath the ground. This heartbreaking news has brought renewed calls for justice and reconciliation between Indigenous peoples and non-Indigenous Canadians alike. It also serves as a reminder that we must continue our work towards truth and healing so that all Canadians can move forward together in peace and understanding. Uh, the world is a little bit different. Um, and because of that, you know, there has been some changes fundamentally in how organizations work. Um, there's more opportunities for us to be seen and heard, um, but the work is not over. Uh, so uh, what has been a fundamental change with your work um, from when you started until now that you've noticed? Well, there's been uh, a lot of growth since I started. You know, we're like, we're growing like, like wildfire right now. And, um, 
so much has changed since I first started. Um, we've, we've helped out so many communities. We started at home. And what I mean by starting at home is by we started feeding the people around where we are, like in where I'm from. And um, here in uh, Abbotsford and Mission, BC, we started doing Feed the Peoples and making sure our people uh, were fed and clothed. And then we started moving around, going places. And now we've, we've gone further. Like we're, we got invited into different territories to, to help the communities. We've got other communities asking us for help. And um, yeah, we're, we're just getting bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger um, by teaching the people, showing the people that, you know, there's, um, like, like I said before, um, there's, there is a better path for you. You just gotta keep moving forward in life because there's no time to look back. You know, as uh, homo people, you know, people of Mother Earth, there's only there's only room to grow, and that's something that we 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 like to push push on the people that are struggling. Is like you know, we have to grow. We can't be stuck because there's life's too short to be stuck. Life's too short to be to let things hurt you the way it's hurting you you take that pain and suffering and turn it into hope and you keep moving forward with that piece of hope until that hope gets bigger then you start start over and you keep making making that hope get bigger then you get stronger every day and uh, being First Nations um, being homo part of Mother Earth is um, we, we inspired we inspired to teach people the culture because uh, I learned from uh, my late relative who was chief of uh, Bridge River up in Lillooet uh, I learned that um, from him that it's the law for us to teach what we know it's the law for us to share only if we know 10 words in our language we share those 10 words if we know a story we share that story we know a song we share that song the knowledge about your traditional name we have to share that with the people because if we don't that's like building a dam on a river sooner or later that river is going to dry up because there's a dam there and we can't do that with the knowledge that we have because our elders fought so hard for us to have the kawit, the drum, the heartbeat, the traditional regalia, our, our elders fought hard for that. Because the residential school and the government tried taking that away from us. So we sit here and we, we help the people fall back on our culture. And by the, doing that, we lead by example. We sing the songs for the people. We show them that we got regalia. Because that's who we are. We are the culture. We are the people. There was a moment during our discussion that I did get emotional talking about my 
own personal journey, identifying who are my ancestors and tapping into that intergenerational trauma history. Emotions, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, um, because you're crying, everybody, you know, people, a lot of people think, you know, hey, hey, you know, don't be weak. This is like, you know, I'm not being weak, you know. Somebody that's willing to shed those tears is, um, that's actually shows a lot of strength because you're letting go a lot of that pain that you're feeling inside, that emotion that you have inside, you know, like my grandma told me, um, don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to cry, grandson, because, uh, you know, the, the tears are, they're releasing that pain that, that you have inside. It's releasing that, that poison that whatever, whatever you got, is, it's letting it, letting it all go. You know, it's just like, you know, like how we use the water here. You know, the water is important to our people because it's medicine to our people. We use that water to brush ourselves off in the wintertime. Go for and going for that spiritual bath. You know, we, we go do our four dunks in the, in the freezing river mm-hmm. to wash away all that negativity, whatever we're, whatever's hurting us, let it flow down, down river or down the creek and let let creator take care of it because you know we can't hold on to all that pain and suffering the more we hold on to that pain and suffering it's like a termite in the tree but that termite will sit there and eat that tree it'll keep eating that tree until it decides it's time to fall and we can't do that with that pain it's good to show that emotion Hmm. you know that's that's what like you know because we wear that uniform you know a lot of people think you know oh yeah you wear that uniform to look tough and everything is like well you know what i shed tears we're human Mm -hmm. you know we only wear the uniforms to identify who we are and that we're here for the people you know i don't call them cuts because you know then if i say cuts and everybody thinks it's a biker gang when we're not a biker gang We're a band of brothers that like to do things for the people. You know, like, we stand strong together because, you know, um, many hands make the workload light. So we work together on doing things for the people. Because it's not easy doing all that work out there. You know, we can do it by ourselves, but, you know, it's a lot easier when you got extra hands helping you. I just moved up into... In this, in this brotherhood, uh, in the BC Stalo chapter, you know, I just took the the lead hand of uh, being the president. So I'm I'm here representing my brothers humbly, because you know we have to be humble in this work. And you know, it's uh, this work has definitely been humbling doing doing what we do for the people, because a lot of people you judgment right because you know just like being out out and out and without the uniform you know we still get judged because of the color of our skin mm-hmm. and like you were saying you know you like you want to bring more awareness what happens to not just our people up here but all over the place mm-hmm. you know there's so mu- so much um, racism out there it doesn't matter where you go, it's always going to be there. Mm. 
you know, it's 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 a sad thing to say because you know, you know, like, why can't we all just get along? You know, why can't we work together? Why can't we be who we are and have and have to worry about what other people are thinking? Because you know, our people, we get criticized all the time up here because we're labeled up here. Um, as alcoholics, mm-hmm. you know that's one one of the things that is always going to be stuck on First Nations people up here is that we're labeled alcoholics. And I actually had an RCMP officer tell me that. You know, I have a story about that. Um, but you know, that's always going to be something that we're stuck with because of what happened to our people in residential school. Our people didn't have know any other way to hide the pain or numb the pain, so they they got stuck with the alcohol. I learned a lot growing up about residential school from my mom. Um, she brought me to a residential school survivors uh, circle, healing circle, out in Vancouver uh, when I was in my early 20s, and I heard 27 stories. My mom being the 27th one, I heard all their stories of what they went through, all the trauma that they're going through, all the pain and suffering that they're going through, which helped me understand why a lot of our people are are the way they are because of what they went through. And, you know, I don't blame them for being by them doing what they're doing. I don't blame them for showing the pain that they've been through. Because, you know, the the stuff that I heard in, in uh, that healing circle was insane. Like, I will never forget all the stories that I heard. Mm-hmm. And then I heard my mom's story. And, you know, like, mind-boggling what happened to our people not only up in Canada down in the States as well and not everybody understands or knows about the residential school they think it's just a normal school to them right but they don't know the they don't know the story or the history behind of what happened to First Nations people very um very touchy and very like um not too sure if i know the right word but you know i learned a lot and to see um and to see and hear the emotions behind the stories was uh was insane there's no other word to say um because of what i heard Um, I've heard actually I've heard a lot of stories outside of that circle as well from other people and you know you saying that you know you're one small voice trying to trying to make a difference you know a lot of things start from that one that little voice that you have uh, look where you are now um, with your podcast you know that's that's growing 
you know, like a lot of things grow from uh, one little word. Uh, just like how uh, Butterflies of Spirit was started. And, you know, and like the Brotherhood, you know, like a lot of things start from one, one little voice. And look at it now, everything's all blossomed. Everything's growing. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned to other people that are, you know, healing or trying to get over some stuff, it's like, you know, you got one strong weapon and that weapon is your voice. You know, that, that voice um, helps identify a lot of things. Brings awareness to a lot of things. People speaking up, telling their story, you know, that's that's a huge weapon. It's a tool that everybody needs to understand that they have. Because if they don't use their voice, then, you know, we all can't suffer in silence. We got to break that silence. Use that voice. Use that voice to grow. Use that voice to silence people that hurt you because you know you can't you can't stay silent. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the more you the more you uh, express what you're going through with your voice, the more stronger you're going to be. In the future, I would like to see. Um, a lot of growth in all the communities in a good way you know there's a lot of negativity in um, in everybody's home everybody like is in uh, their home as in like the reserves and where they're from their community we would like to see more uh, positivity more positive actions happening more people sharing the knowledge of um, the history of where they come from because there's a lot of growth that needs to come to the people that uh, they're distracted by these, uh, what we call the busy lights. Mm-hmm. You know, we get distracted really easy. You know, we got so many things out there that, you know, that draw us away from teaching people our culture. We got cell phones, we got video games, we got all that kind of stuff that distract our people from um, learning, learning who we are and where we come from. You know, it's uh, so I would like to see a lot of a lot of growth in our communities on the culture side. Uh, we have a uh, one of our bigger events is coming up on June third, and uh, that's uh, we're doing the march from the old res- residential school grounds to the new residential school grounds in Mission, BC. Um, we did, it's, a, it's an annual thing that we're gonna be doing. Uh, we did, the, did that for the March for the 215 originally for the residential schools. And uh, so we're gonna, be, we're gonna be doing that on June 3rd. Uh, that's one of our bigger events. And then we do little side events too, like, you know, we're like, we do, we actually do some catering and whatnot, um, and some peacekeeping. So yeah, that's our, one of our bigger events that's happening, other than uh, the other smaller ones, like um, catering at like uh, stick games and 
and doing a lot of feed the peoples and work doing peacekeeping at conferences up north. I, um, so yeah, but yeah, the biggest one that we got is that march. The Crazy Indians Brotherhood have come a long way since their inception in 2007. The look of their uniforms gives off an air of intimidation which helps to protect those who are vulnerable in their community. This organization is still going strong today with members patrolling the area ensuring everyone's safety. Garrett speaks enthusiastically about how the realization of the ever-growing need for spiritual and physical assistance drives the organization forward. The Crazy Indians Brotherhood is devoted to making a positive impact in the numerous areas including fundraising, maintaining a sense of cultural identity, and developing skills for the successful futures. This organization is run by passionate individuals whose mission is solely to help and support those in need, many indigenous people in many territories. In short, Crazy Indians Brotherhood strives to bring joy to poor indigenous communities, from providing education to advocating for cultural heritage. The organization is making a tangible, life-changing difference in the hearts of those who receive its help. If you think you can contribute to their cause, be sure to donate to the Crazy Indians Brotherhood in any way possible. I will provide the links in the show notes. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast, And be sure to come back for our discussion of true crime stories. Starting in June, I will be switching over the podcast to be a bi-weekly pod platform. Until then, this is Jasmine Castillo. We are voiceless no more. This podcast was created, produced, recorded, researched, and edited by Jasmine Castillo, current active member of Dark Cast Network, Transto Task Force, Uncovered.com, and partners with Search and Support San Antonio.